Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. You can also go online, streaming live every single day and on demand for all of our shows, the YouTube page. Type in Outkick. We hope you'll subscribe, share, and let everyone know that we're available there each and every day. Outkick.com as well as where you can find our streaming. Lively chat today in the YouTube chat, so continue to chat it up. Uh, with me, chat with, chat with Chad every day on YouTube, and smash that like button as people are doing right now. Chad, I feel like the major conferences could do exactly what the NFL is doing with their schedule release, and they choose not to. And I realize like some of these games, I mean, the NFL, they fans can go online prior to tomorrow, prior to this week, and see the home and away schedule. And yes, in college football you know the third Saturday in October will feature Alabama-Tennessee. Or you know the Iron Bowl is going to be on Thanksgiving weekend, right? But the tease of the other games and the kickoff times is what's missing, I think, from the college football drama. And the NFL has made drama into their off-season schedule. I mean, really, the only month they take off is the month of June and a little bit of July around July 4th. Everything else is a factory for pushing drama, intrigue, and hope for every single fan. Let base. me jump in though on this because it'll never work with college football to that extent because the reason one of the reasons is what you outline. People know about what time of the year they're playing conference foes, but also because the way the structure is of the schedule is made by individual schools where they schedule seven, ten years out in advance. Yeah, and they know who they're playing and when. Yeah. Now, if we go to what I think we're gonna go to right. A Power 5 system with a central governing body that creates a schedule. Now, we have a made-for-TV event. When Alabama fans are finding out who they're playing from the Pac-12, Big 10, ACC, whoever, for the first time. If you unveil it one by one and you see Alabama taking on UCLA in the Rose Bowl in late September, as an example, now that is a big reveal and I do think one day we're going to get there when this scheduling model blows up. And trust me, we're, we're going to get to the London games and some other things, but tomorrow when the full schedule's released and they call the coaches or general managers on speakerphone, the coaches are sitting there jotting it down. This is right before the release. And they get into it on the phone. So we're going to go back-to-back trips to the East Coast or we're, we have a road game and then we're going to London. And speaking of London, the 2023 NFL London games have been announced at least these are on purpose. Uh, October 1st, Falcons and Jaguars. You can see a lot of Jacksonville uh, in London. That first one's at Wembley. The second one's at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the Baltimore Ravens and Tennessee Titans will face off in the middle of October, October 15th, in a game that kicks off at uh, 2.30. But, Chad, the, the element of the home games, Ravens-Titans was a massive game in this rivalry. It's now going to be played overseas. And Jacksonville's always going to be a big part of this. But the London games, they're only going to increase those. Those sell out immediately. And for the fervor of what NFL fans want with their schedule and how they form, I mean, weddings are planned around weekends where you have, oh, my favorite college team is in town. My favorite NFL team is in town. We can't do the wedding on this weekend, right? Or is there a bye week that coincides with an off week in college football. That's I mean, your schedule set for the fall based on the release for tomorrow because you know what your college teams are doing. 
You also have games in Germany. Frankfurt is hosting Dolphins and Chiefs. That's a massive game. This tells you the importance of Germany and being back there for a regular season game uh, like they sit with Brady a year ago. They're sending Brady a year ago, and now they're sending Mahomes and the Dolphins with presumably a healthy Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, you couldn't trot out, you know, Falcons-Panthers for the return to Germany. It had to be something bigger than that, and that's what they're giving them. They're giving them the biggest. But last year they gave them, they gave them Brady. Yeah, now they're giving him a home. Yeah, and then meanwhile, London's getting Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. I think the understanding is London's had a lot more of this, so they can go down the pecking order a well, bit. And they've always they're had still trying to go big with. Oh yeah, Germany. Colts and Patriots will play in Week Ten. This game is in November, um, overseas. So you've you've got a, a lot of and the teams, by the way, have the option on these games. When they fly back, they can choose to take their bye week the week after. Now, that won't be confirmed until tomorrow. But several teams last year played games in London and then played back in the States the week, the very next week because the games were so early in their schedule. And as far as jet lag, all of that is real, having traveled with teams. And it, it, it's cush, it's great, traveling on these Virgin Airline flights, double-deckers. But the, it is a, it's just a different time zone switch that it's very hard to plan for. And then you're right back into your weekly regiment after, you know, the, the mind freeze of trying to land and pretend that it's 6 a.m. in, you know, the most of the country and you're getting ready to go to work when it feels like it's 1 a.m. because, well, technically that's your body clock. And that's how you try to trick your mind into it. And then you reverse it when you come back and the, you're landing late Monday. You're going to get treatment. Day off on Tuesday. And in many cases, last year we saw teams were right back to practice on Wednesday. Black Friday football. Black Friday football for Amazon. They, they paid a billion dollars and then said, hey, you know what? Let's pay more. Let's make a must-see game on a, on a day that we can make our own holiday. Amazon sells everything. They have cornered the market. And now they want to own the only product on Black Friday for sports that people are going to tune in for and subscribe for, for that matter. Aaron Rodgers against two, against Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins late in the year. This is right after Thanksgiving, of course, on Black Friday for Amazon. And this is a massive divisional game on the schedule for playoff seeding potential. Still a month to go after this, but the head-to-head tiebreakers matter. And in a division with the Buffalo Bills, that is a huge game on Black Friday for Amazon. That's why the NFL is making sure that they take care of Amazon this year because at least on paper last year, it looked good. And then how much ridicule did they get week after week after week? for their primetime games on Thursday Night Football. Al Michaels was even joking about it. He's even taking shots about it with Kirk Street. This is an, an element that I look at and say, well, the NFL is taking care of Amazon now because of the billion-dollar paycheck. They're also taking care of all of us because this is a big thing for people that have nothing to do on Black Friday. <laughs> if you're a sports fan, you now have a lot more to pay attention to on Black Friday with this game. Watch football on a holiday like every other holiday in the fall. Yeah. 
pretty much. Well, it's it's college football on Black Friday for the most part, but I mean yeah, you get yeah, games yeah. that aren't right, yeah. Nebraska and Iowa play every Black Friday, as an example. Arkansas and Missouri play. Jets, Dolphins, bit broader of an appeal than no those games. And I'm a huge college football guy, but an egg bowl is Thanksgiving night. You know, Thanksgiving that's a different night, one. So But I'm saying that weekend. It's a college yeah, football well, it's weekend. A huge, it's a huge weekend for college football, but I'm saying Black Friday specifically, not the best slate of games in college football. Now you're going to put a big NFL game right smack dab in the middle of that day. That's big time. Well, and then the ratings on Thanksgiving Day for the NFL are massive no matter what games they're putting on there because it's Dallas. You know, and that's been the Detroit. Detroit's going. I'm intrigued about who they pair with Detroit now because Detroit's supposed to be good, right? Mm-hmm. Christmas Day is another day that the NFL's owning. It used to be like the unofficial tip-off to the season after the official tip-off to the season for the NBA. That's no more. Now it's the NFL, and they're putting Monday night. Any chance they get, they're going to have Christmas Day games, and we're going to see Monday afternoon on Fox, Giants and Eagles on Christmas Day. This was one of the more brilliant moves by the NFL because NBA on Christmas Day, it is a tradition. It's not something everybody's getting around to watch. I think as much as maybe it, was it always once was. It was always on when it's growing always up a, for us. It's always a backdrop thing, but back- now late afternoon on Christmas Day, less of a backdrop thing, more of a let's all gather around the, the proverbial fireplace, which is now a huge flat-screen television, and watch an NFL game as opposed to you know, sit around and, and drink hot cocoa. And it, nobody's opening gifts late in the afternoon either. So it's perfect. To me, the biggest game is the Black Friday game with Amazon. Aaron Rodgers and Tua. For, for me, on this slate. I, I have a hard time talking about it being a huge game when it's one of two. It is a big game. But to me, the real specialty games... Um, those are the ones when it's the one-off. Like it's it's just big. I don't know. It's it's bigger. Yes, just, it's just a rivalry. The, just of what they've announced, and they're I'm doing saying. something that it's on. Here's the thing: it's the NFL. People are going to watch, and on a holiday, people are especially going to watch. But my point is, when I see division rival Giants, Eagles, yeah, and I say well, see division rival Jets, Dolphins, my initial reaction is being the cynic that I am. Boy, that's convenient because there's two of those, and now you just repurposed one on a holiday when everyone's going to watch. So that's really good for the NFL. Smart move by them, but it's just all winning for the NFL. Chad, we were discussing um, Patrick Mahomes, and he signed a 10-year contract, $500 million, and how he just kept going down the list of the highest annual average for quarterbacks. And I, I don't understand how people can't make the connection that this has already been reported, and it was reported on April 20th, by quote tweeting the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, which we discussed. And now we're sitting here on May 10th with a headline from Ian Rappaport that says Patrick Mahomes waiting for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert contracts to ask Chiefs for more money. He doesn't have to ask the Chiefs for more money because Brett Veach, the general manager on April 20th, straight up said, hey, we're going to adjust his contract after this quarterback cycle is concluded. So that's not breaking news. This is just clickbait BS that they put out because they're looking for a little clout weeks after. The general manager has already said, we will make Patrick Mahomes the highest paid quarterback again, 
And we're not going to do it until Joe Burrow feels like he is the highest paid quarterback again. It's amazing how we can just recreate a news cycle. Yeah, let's just rewrite. Just uh, over and over again and act like it's new. Oh, that story. was already said by the GM? Oh, let's just write it again and we'll repurpose it for, for something different. This was always going to happen. I mean, he was going to wait the until the, general the water manager. settled to know exactly what he was going to be getting paid. Chiefs general manager Brett Veach reported on April 20th, I think that this organization and the relationship we have with Pat will always be working to make sure we're doing right by everybody. There will be a couple more contracts that still have to get done, Burrow and Herbert. And once they do, I think you kind of look at everything and assess where you are and what you can do and take it from there. And then he alludes to this. You can start chasing the different contracts and try to get ahead of things. But he says you, you can start chasing it and forget about the job at hand, but Pat's got a great feel for all that stuff. The main thing he wanted to do, which my hat goes off to him, is he wanted to do a deal that was team-friendly so that we could sign. If you lose a left tackle, if you go out, if you need flexibility, we could do that. So, you know, he's got a great feel for all of that. Discussing the deal that he has versus the quarterbacks that are now signing above him. But even in this old presser, he's saying, hey, uh, yeah, we're not going to make him the highest paid today. We're going to wait right up until this cycle concludes. And now we've had two of the four. Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts are complete. We're waiting on Herbert and Burrow. And then Mahomes is going to be on top again where he should be because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's and it's on both sides. I mean, it's not just Brett Veach. He's saying this, but it's Mahomes camp also saying, we want to see what these other quarterbacks get, then we'll reassess and reevaluate where we're going and what contract we're going to sign for and how big we're going to go. Now, it's good business on both sides. And Veach is even giving Mahomes credit saying – he was team friendly with the last one. Yeah. And we will honor that and honor him and, by making him the highest paid quarterback when it's time. And when he signed on the last one, it was during the 2020 season where you had they teams were terrified, and they, it did happen that the cap was actually going to go down instead of up because it was based on uh, overall league income. And of course, some stadiums had half capacity, some stadiums didn't have any to start the season. By the end of it, they were up to a certain number of fans in the stadiums. But that's a lot of what money generates to in order for uh, that to go into the coffers and they get, what, 49% of the pot and the owners keep what, 51%. Point being, and, and TV contracts as well are going to play a factor in this. But when I, when I see the headline that, oh, he did a deal during COVID and all, it, yes, and Veach has already said they're going to take care of him there. And here's the other thing to point out. He did a 10-year contract where it's 10 years, $500 million, and that's just the, that's the bold-faced headline on paper. You're like, wow, we've never seen anything like this. Well, you can only have up to five years, and it may be six now, of signing bonus money that is spread out over the lifetime of the, the contract that the NFL player signs. So that's why you don't see other players signing up for these 10-year deals is because the signing bonuses that a team can hand out is only for a certain amount of time. So that's why you see the five-year structure, most likely. And that's why, moving forward, they'll give him another five-year bump, and they'll be restructuring him again if he's still playing at the same level he is right now. But unquestioned, he is the guy that deserves to get paid this cycle based on what these other guys are going to get. Doesn't it feel increasingly like all of this is just make-believe? 
that you can just manipulate it however you want. Oh, with the, when the you get voidable the guy, years? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I understand yeah. that if you've got a good quarterback on a rookie contract, that opens up a lot of availability to pay other guys yes. and bring in free agents and all of that. But outside of that, when you, when you are a dominant organization like the New England Patriots were for years with Tom Brady, or the Kansas City Chiefs are now with Patrick Mahomes, I feel like it's all a magic act. It's like the Matthew McConaughey talking about it in Wolf of Wall Street, what the markets are. That's the salary cap to me. When I hear all these and, things about how they can voidable years and and salary cap bonus and then or signing bonus mixed with this and how they can spread it out, it's just a magic act that they can manipulate well, however they need to to and, make it work. And they'll just they're not going to rip up the current contract because it's a very team friendly deal. I, they what they will do is bump him up on the annual average to where he's above, just above wherever the new high watermark is for NFL players. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joins us. He will jump in and react to all things NFL and college football. And Chad, he was a Swifty this past weekend. Oh, I can't wait to hear about this. In luxury. That's next on Hot Mike. Chad, uh, full disclosure, during the break... I'm thinking, well, I reacted to my favorite game last year, and it turned out not to be so great. I can't remember what it was. It was probably a Thursday night football game, right? Yeah. Um, if it leads into Amazon schedule again with injured quarterback, it will be Zach Wilson starting against Mike White on Black Friday. Wow. That would be a blockbuster. <laughs> That is one That's that what we you pay a billion dollars see. for. Yes. We're coming back with uh, Taylor Swift playing on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. The Swifty, though, is not sitting at this table. It's joining us by Zoom. Bobby Carpenter, fresh off of the Taylor Swift show of his how lifetime. How are you? How are you, man? How was, how was the show at Nissan Stadium, and did it live up to the hype? Uh, the show was good, gentlemen. I mean, had a good time with it. Thankfully, the weather held off. On uh, Friday, we were looking at maybe going on Sunday, which that was when there was that four-hour weather delay, which no one would have really liked. Uh, but she did a good job, man. She performed. I'll tell you this. It's the first time I've ever been to a concert where we got there when the doors opened at 4.30, and there was about ten to 20,000 people lined up, ready to get in. Just to get into a seat that was already predetermined. It's not like you were getting into jockeys or some better position. But all of the merchandise, you know, drinks, all this stuff that was going on. I mean, it was it was definitely an event to say the least. How long did she perform? Oh goodness. She performed for probably three hours. I mean, she started off at 8.15. We dipped out about halfway through the last song because we had a Nissan Armada that we had to pack about 17 people into since we couldn't get a car back to the airport that night. So it was a, it was a pretty difficult situation to say the least. But yeah, she played for like a full three hours. A little sprinkle. She had a couple opening acts that were really good. Um, you know, but it was, it was amazing. Like seeing the lines for people buying merchandise, which I've, I've never bought a concert t-shirt in my life. Um, of course, my wife bought some for our, my daughter and her friend and, and herself. So it wasn't bad. I mean, I guess the sweatshirts were like 80 bucks. The t-shirts were 35. So it wasn't atrocious. I thought the t-shirts would be 60 and the hoodies would be 120, but uh, man, like she's doing it right. There are 80,000 people in Nissan for three nights in a row. 
And I'm guessing the average ticket in that place is at minimum $250. And so you start doing the math on what this tour is going to look like for her. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's going to come in somewhere between $175 and $200 million for her easily. Well, I, I was talking with someone in the industry about this. So the average musician, the average artist gets 15% of the Ticketmaster sale. But you get a huge amount of the merch, nearly all of it. So if you just do the math on that, she's making like six and a half million per show on tickets alone. And she's doing that back to back to back. And then the merch, it's, I mean, she's making well over 10 million a show, which shows you why she wanted to wait until, you know, what, midnight or 1 a.m. on Sunday to get that show in because everything was set up and it's worth paying the, you know, whatever the fee is to keep the place open past 11 p.m. because it's going to cost her more to bring the show back for a makeup. Well, it's a testament to economics when you talk about it because there's less setups, there's less teardowns. You're going to do two nights or three nights in NFL stadium, pack that thing to the brim. I mean, the NFL should take a look at this and figure out what she's doing. And here's one of the other things, guys. The merch lines were crazy long. And a lot of people said, hey, I'm probably not going to be able to afford to get in there and pay, you know, it's like four or $500 for a decent seat. I mean, 200 bucks is getting you like in the upper deck. So what she did is, the concerts are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They said the merch trailer shows up outside on Wednesday before the show starts. You know what, guys? Even if you weren't going to the show, you can still go down there and go spend a couple hundred bucks right there at the merch shop. And if she's getting a larger cut of that, you know what, man? She has figured this thing out. Bobby Carpenter with us, college football analyst, Sirius XM radio host. You can follow him on social at bcarp 3 so what we're seeing in the college baseball realm with the gambling, the, the apps, the investigations from different states and commissions, how behind the scenes, what do you think the conversations are like from the top down of the NCAA right now, knowing that, okay, it's college baseball, but if this comes up in football or in hoops, what's the response to that? What, as a former athlete in the college realm, Bobby, what do you think they're saying? Well, I think somewhere, I don't know whether it's Vegas or Cincinnati, I'm not sure where he resides, but Pete Rose is probably smiling a little bit and saying, hey, you guys finally got to take a look under the blanket and see what everybody really wanted to be like. And maybe I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm not the, the guy that everybody painted me out to be. I mean, we all thought it was going to be maybe some players. What was surprising at first is the fact that it was the Alabama coach. We're yeah. talking about a grown man making those decisions. Then you start looking at the Iowa situation. I'll say this, the speed of which these things have been discovered, have been processed, and then will probably ultimately be remedied. That's something that I think should be reassuring because there's nothing that the NCAA does that's ever this quick. You think about the stuff that they seem to have teed up for them. They can't get schools to communicate. They can't get any cooperation. And it takes like two years where everybody's gone and all of a sudden they're like, hey, now we can finally punish, you know, Penn State or Miami or Ohio State or LSU or whoever it is with this stuff that happened. And we're going to take forever to get it done. This stuff happened two or three days. It was flagged immediately for the activity. They get it to the, the right people. They shut down the, the bets and they dive into it right away. So while there is some concern, I believe water always finds the lowest point and people are probably experimenting with it right now. And, I, I hate being punitive in nature just simply to prove a point, but we've talked about this. You understand with you know, great power comes great responsibility, and now the opportunity has been opened up, 
for collegiate athletes who, by the way, they should be able to gamble on other sports outside of their own. Because we talk about student athletes and how they're mm-hmm. able to do everything the same. Many student athletes can go gamble on anything as long as you're 18 years old and it's illegal in your it's legal in your state. So why can't those student athletes place bets on you know football games or baseball if they play basketball or vice versa and figure that thing out? Like I have no problem with that. The same way NFL players should be able to bet on things that are not their sport. But we're learning a lot about it. And going back to being punitive in nature, I mean, if you bet on your own sport, especially in games that you're involved in as a player or a coach, the hammer should be swift and it should be really firm because that way it'll set a precedent where, listen, guys, I mean, there's so much technology now. It's so much easier to track and to catch. This isn't you going to some bookie, you know, behind a bar 25, 30 years ago. I mean, you're geofenced. They're tracking you. They can said with the, the deal with the red, I mean, it's a great American ballpark. They had video surveillance. They were able to find the phone and zoom in and be able to see exactly what was happening. I mean, it's a little bit scary in society now. It might be a little, you know, minority report, vanilla sky esque where things are going on, but it ultimately should be reassuring because I don't know if there's an avenue to be able to do this where, you know, even if it's your cousin's brother's sister who's calling and bets, they'll be able to connect it through some sort of digital trail unless you're sending them a stinking letter uh, through UPS. I mean, there, there's no way not to, to, to be able to get around this. Well, and Bobby, you're, you're hitting on something here. Attack the things that you need to attack if you're a governing body. Obviously, the principle in sports is it's to do no harm with the game and everyone is giving their best effort to win. And the moment people start questioning that, your sport is in trouble. So obviously the NCAA rule should be you can't bet on the sport you participate in. If you're a college football player, certainly can't bet on a game you're involved in, but just don't bet on college football. But if you want to bet on the NFL on Sunday – or if you're a college basketball player and want to put, place a bet on the Celtic Sixers, have at it. Well, how is that affecting anyone if you do that? But the NCAA rule is you can't bet on any sport that is NCAA-sponsored, which leaves UFC and cricket that you could bet on at any level. You can't bet on any NCAA-sponsored sport, baseball, basketball, football, at any level, or it's an NCAA violation. To me, that makes no sense. Well, considering there's more sports collegiately that are successful, or there are 36, 37 varsity sports you have across the NCAA, and I mean, how many viable professional leagues do we have that you're able to gamble on? Like, that's the real question. Like you said, I mean, UFC and boxing. Yeah. You know, that's it. Like, I'm not sure where where you would go with that. So, my thing is, listen, be swift and be very punitive. If you if you were caught betting on your sport. And in the region that you play, if you play college baseball, you can't bet on college baseball. You can't bet on college football if you play college football. But anything else should be fair game and say, listen, this is fine. But if you get caught, you're done. You're done. You're no longer able to play collegiate collegiate athletics. And I think most people would sign up and say, okay, I agree with that. Just in case, like the temptation is always going to be there. And you know what? Get behind it. But if you get caught, which we've shown now that it's it's much easier to get caught than ever before. And so if you do get caught, you're done. And so basically you're, you're playing with fire there. The guys should ultimately know it. They should see it. And they should have examples now where, you know, if you're a coach, dude, you're done. You know, you're banned. You cannot coach in collegiate athletics anymore. And I know that sounds punitive, but it's right there. You cannot have people question the integrity of your sport 
And so you give them that ban, especially for you know college athletes. And then you're forced to what go pro. If you have to wait, you know, due to age restrictions or time out of high school, like you have to wait a year. Like it, it'll be incredibly punitive, but it's so easy to monitor now that it's not something like traditional NCAA monitoring systems where you have to collect intel and go meet with people and try to find receipts and you know car registrations and all this nonsense, you know, about amateur stuff and amateur status. This is all right there. And it's the stinking sites that turn it over to the states. And the states just turn it over. And I mean, they give you a pretty package deal, and there's not really any pushback because I'm not sure what your self-defense is. Bobby Carpenter, you can follow him on social at bcarp3. So Bob Huggins goes on a Cincinnati radio station, WLW, and says, uh, refers to Xavier students, I think is what he was saying, and fans, as Catholic bleeps. And the bleeps is a homophobic slur. And then he doubled down on it. I immediately thought, Bobby, that he's he's not coming back from this. West Virginia is going to fire him after this interview. Were you surprised that he was not fired after making those remarks? Um, you know, I had some conversations today with people who had worked with him at Cincinnati. He was at Cincinnati for a long time. And to full disclosure, I've always been a fan of Bob Huggins. I thought he did a good job as a coach. Um, you know, my one of my good friends went down to Cincinnati, was friends with his daughter, Jenna. Um, you know, I've I used to play, talk to basketball players from Cincinnati. I mean, guys were from really rough parts of the country. They all love Bob Huggins. I mean, you get in there and mix it up with them in practice. I mean, get physical, you know, physically beat on them practicing during during their time. And, you know, but they all loved him. They all really appreciated him. Um, you know, he was talking to a guy, I believe, that was on his staff at Cincinnati. Should he have said what he said? Absolutely not. I mean, do I believe... Bob Huggins to be a bigot, you know, a racist, a homophobe. I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't truly know him, but I don't, I've never seen stuff like this before. And know he's a guy that likes a few soda pops. I mean, if there's anything you could say that maybe he, you know, drinks a little too much and heck, maybe he was half in the bag during that interview. You guys have worked at, you know, radio, terrestrial radio before, you know, I, I'm the producer should have dumped the darn thing and made sure they never saw the light of the day. And then you could figure out, you know, what, how to handle it from there. Um, but I think probably the one place that he could survive is in the state of West Virginia. Gordon Gee is their president, and he understands probably the value that Bob Huggins you know, brings to that university, what he's been able to do, even though they maybe haven't had the greatest success you know, consistently lately. But let's not act like he got off scot-free. I mean, the dude lost a million dollars in his salary. His contract's on a year-to-year basis. He's getting suspended, and you know, I believe he's given a heavy donation to Xavier as well. Uh, so there are consequences for this, which, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, the punishment should fit the crime. I don't know, you know, with the cancel culture, like the guy said something that was obviously inappropriate and was demeaning. Um, he's paying for that, literally he's paying dollars for that. You know, the total loss of a job after doing, you know, working for so many years. I, I don't know if I can get behind that for, a, you know, a lot of different people and a lot of different things. Like I think America is a, a nation of second chances, and Huggs has probably had a number of chances himself in different arenas, just given his past. But you know, I, I don't believe him to be a guy of mal- with malice in his heart. Like I said, I don't truly know that. Um, and so West Virginia, they love him there, and there's going to be some steep penalties, and then he's going to have to come back, and it's a year-to-year deal. So he's going to have to win, and he's not going to have any room to move and have any other slip-ups, or he'll be out. So I think that's probably an a fairly appropriate penalty as opposed to just automatically going in and getting rid of him, you know, without giving any process for redemption. 
Bobby Carpenter joins us each week, and uh, he's, you can catch him on SiriusXM Channel 84. Bobby, thank you as always, man. Enjoy this, and we will uh, catch up next week with you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. The jet setter, Bobby Carpenter there. The Swifty. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean. Our resident Taylor pay, Swift it expert, It pays to Bobby have uh, friends in high places like Bobby Carpenter there. Some of the videos I saw from that show, I feel like I missed out. Looked you pretty did. awesome. The, just the visual spectacle of that concert and everything that was going on glitter pretty cool. Very glitterified. Yeah, now some of the uh, young women, uh, teenage to even 35 years old, that were crying in the crowd, could have done without, not going to lie. Like you with Backstreet Boys? Got a little bit emotional <laughs> at times. A little too emotional, I think. You know, when, when they play I Want It That Way, Hutton, you're going to get a little bit emotional. Coming up. We dive into the Iowa and Iowa State betting scandal and the NCAA with a chance to step up and drop the hammer if they so choose, where I don't think, Chad, they're going to get a lot of pushback. Details next on Hotline. Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Across the Outkick Network coming up, Clay Travis will join us. That will be in a little under an hour from right now. Sixth and Peabody, our location with E.A. Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chat, Mark Emmert, in many ways, powerless. You know, he didn't want to step forward. Not, not the alpha mentality. Not a great leader during a time where they needed someone to step forward. In Charlie Baker's new NCAA vision, Whatever that might be. What, for whatever reason, he wanted the job. I don't think it's a job many people would want to be the president of the NCAA right now. And that's in large part in regards to NIL and where we're headed in pay for play and what universities are doing, the have, the have-nots, the split, the conference realignment, all of it. But I think there's one area where they, Baker and the NCAA could lead, and if they don't, I wonder if Sankey and others will, is in regards to what we're seeing right now with the betting scandals from Alabama and their former head coach to the investigations that are going on with Iowa and Iowa State with multiple sports, not just baseball. The NCAA has a chance to bring the hammer down if they so choose and set an example and a precedent that normally we'd sit here and mock and laugh at and crumble up and throw in the, in the, in the garbage. And in this case, I don't know of an entity connected to the NCAA that would bemoan them taking a hardline stance with this. And look, innocent mistakes, whatever. That wasn't the case. It doesn't seem like at Alabama. I don't know every single situation that Iowa's looking into, or Iowa State for that matter, with their gambling commission. Point being, there are programs that are, have always been used as the example to scare tactic other programs for doing something and then for fear of penalty. And I don't know how you appeal a penalty when even the companies that are advertising with college sports, like FanDuel, DraftKings, and everyone else, they're not even going to push back on it because they're in on leaking things that come up flagged as suspicious. Do you see where I'm going with what Baker has a chance to do? Even from the legality standpoint, I'm just saying just from an overview of leadership, this is the one area and the one path where they can set the example that everyone's back on board with the decision that they make. The NCAA has long had 
a rule book that's six inches thick, yep. and it should be about a quarter inch thick. And that's been their biggest problem. They have their eye and their mind on too many things at once. There are too many rules that they get inundated with that don't matter. Focus on what matters. This is another classic example. What Brad Bohannon, the head coach at Alabama, was doing is a fireable offense and could be punished by the court system based on what we find out what he did and what he didn't do. Worry about those things. If Iowa State and Iowa players were betting on their own games, that's a problem. That's a big-time problem. you got to weed that out. They can't play college sports anymore, ever, for anyone else. They're done. All of them. That's how you make an example. Because you cannot even hint at impropriety with the integrity of your sports. That's how you get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Now, if these Iowa State and Iowa players are betting on the NBA or they're betting on the NFL, I don't care. And the NCAA shouldn't care either. They need to change that rule. To tell me that someone who's of legal age to bet on an online sports wagering system that is a sponsor of your school or your conference or the NCAA, and to tell them that they can't bet on any sport sponsored by the NCAA at any level, even if it's a pro sport, Mm -hmm. that's not the NCAA. That's stupid. That's not affecting the integrity of the NCAA at all. Now, Iowa State baseball players betting on their games? Absolutely. What if you're free? Get rid of them. What if in the athletic dorm and you know something's happening for the football program? Oh, I think that there's no way to prevent that. And then insider tips has never been, you know, an issue that they could even prosecute or go after. But the the those within the athletic programs communication-wise, I mean that I think that's why the rules oh, in no, place. Oh, no, if you if you find if it's a player that's giving information to someone and they're profiting from it, yes. But they got to be kicked out of the sport. Right, but the, my point is like if if the other person is also an athlete on campus but they just don't play that sport. I think that's Oh, why no, no, I, you can't bet look, I, I'm I'm with you on that. And again, if there is a mutual sharing of information that leads to a player on a team profiting from it in any way or giving information to another athlete and they're betting on that sport, I, I'm fi- look, I would even be fine, Hutton, if they said you can't bet on any NCAA sport because of that. Because we don't but if want to do NFL, if you want to, we do- don't want info yeah. sharing between in the athletic dorm between the baseball player and the basketball player, the football player, whatever. Cut that out and say that. But I think it's this is another classic example of the NCAA. Mark Emmert was both a weakling and a tyrant at the same time. He was overly powerful and overly heavy-handed in some instances, and he was a puny, weak monarch in other ones. Well, he and was that's the problem when, when you Yahoo have a, Sports did the investigating for him. That's the problem when you have a rule book that's so thick, though, that some of the rules make no sense. Cut it out. Give me the things that legitimately matter. And what matters is if you're betting on the actual sport you're in in college. I don't care if you bet on the NBA, if you're a college athlete. And currently, that's illegal in the NCAA. That makes no sense. Well, you also can't do that if you are in the NFL on team property, right? So, I mean, if you're, if you're at the dorm, I guess that would be the, the equivalent of the practice facility or the, the living well, arrangements for whatever is, is the anywhere, university supplies. Like, this is anywhere if you're a college right, athlete. Right. You can't bet on any. But, and what I mean by any sport sponsored by the NCAA, let me make this clear. I'm not talking about NCAA sports. I'm saying if the NCAA plays tennis and it's sponsored, which they do, you can't bet on a pro tennis match. 
if you are a college football player, you can't bet on the U.S. Open in tennis. That is dumb. Get rid of that and make it where they can't bet on college sports or their own sport. That makes sense. We need common sense approaches to things. Beyond just having bullet points and taking away things from the rule book, Baker and the NCAA, what hammer can be dropped on what happened at Bama? And I'm not saying that the, the players deserve to be punished for what their coach was doing, but there has to be some type of repellent to this. Yeah. Because this isn't the first time or the last time this will go down. It was just an idiot who didn't have a burner phone that got caught. If we're just putting it like just way, if the guy just uses a number that doesn't trace back to him, this is not flagged. And by the way, if Bama wins the game, this is not flagged. And they nearly came back and won that game. If it's proven to just be the coach in this instance, everything's got to be treated se separately in this. If it was just the coach that was doing it, he's already been fired. He should go to jail or he should face whatever punishment is there for the legal system. If it is a problem, let's say Iowa baseball, you know, one being investigated now. If this is all the players getting together and profiting by betting on their games, give them the death penalty. Yeah, because you've got the racket going. Give them the death penalty. If you want to be heavy-handed with what you're talking about, Hutton, and a chance to send a message, give them three years, they don't have a program. Well, but see, I, I, I'm not always wanting to be heavy-handed. I just think in this instance, Chad, the, the heavy-handedness level, I don't know in this case that they would get much pushback. I love being on camera this long, by the way, while you're talking. They it's would great. not get much pushback from that. It's the reaction shot. They're so th this is the one area where they can take charge, where in other areas they can't take charge anymore because they allowed conferences, individual universities, programs to take their own way and their own path, and their own state governments to take those paths. And in this lane, they could have a hardline stance. It would be hard. I mean, I'm saying like extremely strict, but this is the one path that Charlie Baker can actually go down to where I don't think he's going to get much pushback in terms of, oh, yeah, sure, you're going to enforce this. Every other AD will say, there but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> I I'm serious with that. That They're going to say, all right, if this is going to be the deterrent, great. Maybe this will stop our programs from doing it. What if? But you got to give them the again. If it's if a widespread, it, multiple player coach thing. What if Sankey did it for the conference? Give him the death penalty. Yeah. Well, Sankey's got more power than the I know. Than Charlie Baker. I know, but so, another chance for him to grab more of that rope. But I don't think you do it in the case of Alabama if it's just the coach. I don't want to penalize the whole, all the players and the team if it's just the coach. You don't have to retroactively do it, but you can set a hard line stance of if this now happens. This guy is no longer allowed to coach within in any uh, round within our this conference. This guy's done regardless, but yeah. I it, agree with that. Yeah, and, and hardline stands with that. Pat McAfee, is he on the move? Massive brand, could be. And what's that value? That's next on Hot Mike.